If you hear me say one thing today, it's this. Peace is not found in the absence of chaos, but only in the presence of God. Hey, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 1. My name is Brian, and uh, glad to be preaching uh, to you this morning. Welcome to Highland Park. And um, we've been going through this series called uh, Christmas in Minor Key, where we've been looking at one of the of the key Christmas stories that's found in Matthew 1 today, uh, and pairing it with one of the minor prophets. They're called the minor prophets not because they're not important, but just because the length of their books in the Old Testament was a little shorter than the major prophets. But there is something about thinking about things in minor key. Things in minor key are a little creepy. I'm, for instance, I am not a piano player, and I'll probably mess up Ashley's keyboard. But um, you think about songs like Canon in D, Happy, wonderful, bride walking down the aisle. But when it goes to D minor, suddenly there's like a villain in the background, right? When you hear, the, when you hear things in minor key, you think of songs like Hotel California, all these minor keys, and it's kind of creepy. And for some of you, your Christmas season and maybe just your life right now feels like it's a little bit more in minor key. Things aren't quite all cheerful and happy. There's some dark undertones. And so we want to just ask today, like, first of all, and I, and I really am asking for you to just think for a moment, what is it in your life that threatens to rob you of your peace? Like from the very inside, the core of you, what is it that threatens to rob you of peace? Think about that. And then what are things On the outside, do you have a relationship that's broken where there is no peace? Think about that for a moment. And I imagine that you thought of some relationships where there's some brokenness. And I imagine you thought of some things in your soul that feel broken or at least unstable. And so today we just want to ask, how do do I find peace in the midst of the brokenness that I feel inside and I feel in my relationships to those around me. And today we're just going to talk a little bit about the prophet Habakkuk. Great name, right? Habakkuk wrote um, one of uh, the books of the Bible in the Old Testament. He's called one of the minor prophets. And really, you could describe his book as a dirge. It's a a sad song, a creepy song, a, a song of misery and suffering. When he begins writing, he talks about how the crops have all died and the cattle are gone, the sheep are gone, the vines have no grapes on them. Everything has gone wrong. It's calamity. And he begins by asking this question, how long, God? You two, the band, actually has a song that starts that way, quoting from here. How long, God? Because it connects with our heart. You've probably asked that question. How long, God, do I have to keep going through this? How long until things get better? How long until this part of my life or this relationship gets fixed? How long? That's a song in minor key. Habakkuk cries out about things like violence and injustice and wrongdoing and conflict. You know, over the past 3,400 years, some researchers put together these numbers Humans on this planet have been engaged in war for 3,132 of them. See that chart? 
That's not good, earthlings. We're always killing each other. Just the planet is almost always at war somewhere. Just in the 20th century alone, at least 108 million people were killed in wars, in conflicts. Now imagine that the entire Tulsa metro area, a million of us, were all killed in a war. And then the next year, repopulated with another million, all killed again. And then again, for a hundred years. That's kind of the death rate of the 1900s. So much war, so much conflict. Where is the peace? Because if there's peace, we're not seeing all of this violence and the oppression and the wrongdoing and all the things that we've seen as we look in our history books and even in our newspapers. And so today's story from the Christmas side of things, we want to look at the man, Joseph. He's a remarkable person. And so if you have Matthew chapter 1, I just want you to think about when we read this story, there could be lots of minor keys playing in the background. I mean, think about even just a, a, a husband, um, soon-to-be husband and, and wife, Mary, and she's pregnant, and it's getting dark, and she's about to give birth, and they're looking for a place to stay. I mean, that's not a happy picture. That's a minor key kind of a song, right? That's a scary thing, trying to figure, is the baby going to survive? So we come to Matthew chapter 1, and um, we're going to read, begin in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to, div- to div- divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, don't miss this, God with us. Presence. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph, I mean, there's no peace for this guy, right? First, he finds out what he believes is Mary cheated on him. All peace is gone. But then there's a, a, a dream and an angel appears to him. By the way, four times Joseph has encounters with angels in dreams in a pretty short span of time. I mean, I would almost be thinking that he would be nervous going to sleep at some point in his life, being like, I'm not going to eat any pizza because I already have bad enough dreams as it is. Who knows what God is going to tell me tonight because it keeps happening to him. And God brings this earth-shattering news, and somehow Joseph finds some peace. I mean, I, I wish I could read more of the story, more of behind the scenes, and I can't wait to find out more one day. But somehow he finds peace because if ever a story exhibits this truth, it's Joseph that peace is not found in the absence of chaos because Joseph had lots of chaos. 
It's found when you're in the presence of God. And Joseph was in the presence of God. The definition of peace uh, can be this, a freedom or a period of freedom from public disturbance of war or an agreement and harmony among people. But it can also mean a quiet and calm state of mind. And I kind of want to talk about both ideas because one is a peace on the inside and one is a peace with those around us. And God actually wants to give us his peace, which means both, as much as we can see it on this earth. So two things I want to say to you today kind of in with this idea that peace is only found in the presence of God. And the first is this. God's presence brings peace to you. And I mean to you and to your inner core, to your soul, to who you are. It's the peace that Philippians says surpasses all understanding. I want to pause just for a moment and read this verse. Because God wants to offer you peace that doesn't even make sense to the human brain. It's not humanly possible to have the kind of peace that God intends for you. He wants to give you this peace that's beyond the human capacity. Like if you can picture a jar and you're like, this is how much peace I can get if I get my exercise in and I have some downtime to read and I'm, and I sleep real well, then I can get this much peace. And God says, I want to give you this much beyond even what's in the human ability It's the peace from God. So just listen to this and take this in from Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the peace that God is calling you to beyond human understanding so that when you're in a crisis in life, you will think, I don't know how, but somehow I have this little bit of peace still inside of me. And when you see people who are grieving the loss of a loved one, you'll still say, I know that they're grieving and they're really hurting, but I still see in them something that doesn't even make sense. This peace still within them. Then there's this guy named Joseph, and his whole life is turned upside down. And he has to run with his young family for their lives because Herod wants to kill him. And yet somehow there's peace in his life. How is that possible? The situation was tough, and yet, God is saying, I've got this peace for you. When Paul even wrote those words in Philippians, he wrote them from a prison. And he's saying, don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Even when the worst is happening to you. What if, what if Christians really started to believe this? What if you really believed that God wants to give a peace to you that is beyond understanding? What if you really believed that when Jesus said, the thief has come to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life abundantly? What if we really believe that God wants you to have abundant life? And this isn't health and wealth stuff of God saying, everything's going to go great for you and you'll have a million bucks if you, if you believe in me today, that's not the abundant life that God has called you to because if that's the case, Jesus missed it. But God is calling you to this abundant life that is that you can have peace that you can't buy with any amount of money. 
and you can have joy that you can't buy with any amount of money. What if Christians really believed that God wants to give you abundant life, this peace, this inner joy, this gentleness, this love, this comfort, our whole world would be different. Your life would be different, and God is inviting you to this beautiful peace, this abundant life that you can only find from God. Now, we try to find it in lots of different ways, don't we? I think if I can just get enough money, then I, I won't feel broken anymore, and I'll feel like I'm worth something. If, if, if I can just make the team, if I can just make this grade, then people will respect me and I'll have this reputation. If I can just have this relationship, then, then people will like me more and I'll feel better about myself. And all those things are just like bungee cords and we try to get away from our brokenness and it just snaps us back into our brokenness even more painfully than when we started. And God says, if you want to escape from your brokenness, from the stress and the anxiety that you feel on your inner, in your inner soul, then the only way is the gospel, that Jesus came as the perfect son of God to die for you, to live before that even amongst you, to be with you, to die on a cross. And he didn't stay dead, but he rose from the grave, defeating death. And, and because Jesus defeated death and he died for your sins and because God cares for you, you can be restored into your relationship with God and you can actually escape your brokenness. And that's the gospel. That's the peace that we find. And it's for anybody, regardless of who you are, your background, where you come from, it's offered to you. Jesus says, if, if you believe in me, and Paul writes, Anybody, even the Gentiles that the Jews don't like, and even the Jews and the Gentiles don't like. It's for everybody. Repent and be baptized and die to your old life and be brand new. The Holy Spirit comes and he never really gives people easy jobs in the Bible. Have you noticed that? I mean, you know the, the, the TV show Tough Jobs? You just kind of go through the Bible. And be like, when, when God comes to give you a job, it's not an easy one. It's, you know, hey, Joseph, you're going to be, you know, kind of the earthly dad figure of Jesus. Good luck with that. <laughs> what? Me? You know, hey, Moses, you're going to lead the people out of slavery. And I know Egypt is the most powerful nation in the world. And they've enslaved the people. And you have no army or military training, or really anything else going for you, but you're going to take the people out of Egypt. You got it. What? Me? When God comes, he gives difficult assignments. And I think that maybe we should expect the same. You will find peace even in the midst of your turmoil. You will find peace even in the midst of your challenges, even with the circumstances. There is one thing that the Bible calls easy. Jesus put it this way. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Take my yoke upon you, and you will find rest for, my, for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, man, does the world offer challenges? Absolutely. But Jesus comes and says, in me, you find rest and peace. So God's presence brings peace to you to your insides, to your core, to your soul. But that's not the only thing. Secondly, God's presence brings peace through you. 
that God cares about your relationships. He cares about your relationship with the world, with your family, your friends, and your neighbor, and the people at school, and the people you work with, and the people that you meet, and the people you don't like, and the people who don't even like you. So with Jeremiah at his side, Habakkuk predicted the, the coming Babylonian captivity when he learned God was on top of it all, and yet God was going to let this bad stuff happen. And Habakkuk's like, God, I'm not so sure about this plan of yours. Why are you going to let these bad things happen? It all seems upside down. But then he learns that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, chapter 214, and that the Lord was in his holy temple, so all the earth should keep silence. For Habakkuk, Christmas meant hanging on even if God first stripped away everything he had hoped for. But he finds the courage to pray, and Habakkuk uses this beautiful word, yet, yet. My life is troublesome, yet. There's sadness in my family, yet. I'm going through this trial at work, yet. Physically, I'm struggling, yet. I still trust in the Lord. That's the peace that only comes from God. Without God, there is no yet. It's just my life stinks, and that's it. It's just this world is full of conflict, and that's it. I recently read a book um, that talked about uh, the problems in our country, especially racially. And basically, at the end of the book, there was no yet. It was just, it all stinks. And I read the book going, ugh, oh, this book stinks. <laughs> because I believe in something different. By the way, the author doesn't believe in Christ. There's no reason for him to have a yet. Because all he sees is just this trouble. And yet God says, we believe in the yet we believe in better things to come. We believe that God cares and that his people can be a change agent in this world and in their families and in their communities. Joseph, he never found peace with Herod. The two of them never got together and had a barbecue. And I want to just be honest with you. There are some people in your life and you have a broken relationship with them. And it's not all 100% on you. Okay, so have some grace with that. But God does say he desires you to have grace and peace with all people. But they get to determine some of that too. Just don't beat yourself up if, you know, the king, if he tries to kill you, he may not ever want to have a barbecue with you too, okay? But as much as we can, we try to be at peace with our world and the people around us. And I just want to read a few scriptures to you just kind of quickly as we think about how God wants you to be at peace with other people. That's part of the Christmas promise and story. First Timothy 2. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. That might be a great line for your family. Hey, guys, this is a foolish and stupid argument. Let's drop it. Let's have peace with each other. Hebrews 12, 4, make every effort Every single effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. It doesn't promise you that every relationship will work out all rosy, but it says you make every effort to be at peace with everyone. James 3, 17 and 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, 
peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So at your family gatherings where there's a little bit of tension, here's what you're going to do. You're going to sow a little bit of peace everywhere you can. You're going to toss a little bit of peace over here and a little bit over here and a little bit over here, and it may not stick. It's not your fault if it doesn't. But you're going to do everything you can to promote peace. And in your work where there's division, you're going to sow some peace. You're going to cast some here and some here. What we're not going to do is cast out gossip and throw some gossip out and some foolish arguments and some stupid talking points that are only going to get people mad. Instead, we're going to cast out some peace instead. Jesus in Matthew 5 says, blessed are the peacemakers. Sean Palmer in his book, Unarmed Empire, writes this. While Jesus, or when Jesus is present, the entire world comes together. The Christ child releases us from the false, self-satisfying deception that superiority is a sufficient way to see humankind. When we think about the humility of Jesus coming to earth as a baby, we've got to drop all of the arrogance and superiority complexes that we have and just say, God, thank you that you came. And I, I just want to lay down all of my stuff that I'm proud about and that causes me to not sow peacefulness. God desires peace for all, for all. And Revelation paints this picture that one day we'll see it. One day we'll actually see it when all, all of us stand together. And when I say all of us, I mean all of us and all of believers all around the world past, present, future. I mean the richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor who follow Jesus. And I mean people from every continent and from every uh, tradition and every culture, people with all kinds of different hair and languages and background. I mean everybody will be together and we get to taste it. As I was thinking about this sermon, thinking about this idea of seeing peace, I was proud to be with you. I was just thinking of my church family. I, I love that we can be on this journey together, and peace is not easy, and I've botched it enough times, and we have grace with each other, and we love each other, and, and I love that we're a church family that cares about the young and the old and people from different backgrounds and different cultures because we want to sow peace everywhere we can with each other and with our community, regardless of what they look like and where they've come from and who they voted for and their age and their school and the team they root for. We, don't, we want to sow peace, be peacemakers. Earlier, I told you about Habakkuk and his sad song, but I, I did not tell you the rest of the song, the yet. And I just want to read that to you today. Don't worry, I'm not going to play it on the piano. I'm just going to read it to you. Habakkuk 3.19, after talking about all of the bad stuff, he says this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. You see, Habakkuk believed in the yet, that better things were yet to come, that God cared for him and would give him peace that would help him feel like he could run like a deer. And the reason that we believe in the yet 
is because Jesus died for us. He became the one who died on the cross, and that's what we deserved. And he did that to be the ultimate peacemaker. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, the curse of sin, by becoming that for us. Cursed is everyone who is hung on the pole, the scripture tells us. But Jesus took that from us so that we could have peace with God and peace with each other. This morning, we want to offer a time, both now and maybe just at the end of the service. But even if during this next song, you would like to come and have someone pray with you or talk with you or say, I I want to have peace with God in my life. I'm tired of feeling this brokenness. Then we would love to pray with you and talk to you and Maybe you would like to be baptized to say, I, I want to commit my life to Jesus. We'd love to visit with you. You can come down just on these front rows. There'd be some folks here that'd be glad to pray with you during this next song or just when the service is over, if you'd like to come or if you'd like to mark on your card to meet privately with someone this week, we'd be glad to do that and study with you and talk with you as well. Uh, would you stand and let me pray with us? God, thank you that you are our peace. I know there's all kinds of different levels of chaos represented in this room today. Our lives are chaotic so often, and sometimes it's our fault, and sometimes it's no fault of our own. It's just the hand we were dealt this week. And, and God, we, we come together to recognize that if you took away all of the chaos, it wouldn't necessarily mean any peace. We find peace because of your presence, your work in our lives, your promises. So God, thank you for your presence and for anyone who has not felt your presence and become at peace with you. We pray they would, they would take that step and know you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.